As soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Have you heard that one before? This quip attributed to Johann Tetzel in the 16th century is reputedly one of the great catalysts to one of the largest scandals in church history. I'll tell you why, coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to the show. The Inner Life is our name and spiritual direction is our game. We come together to help you out on your walk of faith today. I'm Patrick Conley. The phrase again was, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Although there's some question as to whether Johann Tetzel ever actually used that phrase, he was accused of doing so by the likes of one Martin Luther. And what was at the root of the accusation? Tetzel was selling indulgences. And the Catholic Church's selling of indulgences played a significant role in Luther formulating his 95 theses that got nailed to the Wittenberg door, essentially kicking off what is now known as the Protestant Reformation. Now, growing up as a Protestant, somewhere along the line, I heard about indulgences and how they were one of the reasons why we Protestants still protested against the teachings and practices of the Catholic Church. Note, however, that the difference between indulgences and the selling of, an, of indulgences was not made clear to me. Now, 13 years into my Catholic faith, I have better clarity around indulgences, but I'll be honest, there are still things about them that are somewhat confusing to me, or at least that I have a hard time explaining to someone else. If you're in my boat, this promises to be a greatly helpful show, as today on The Inner Life we're talking about indulgences, clarifying what they are and what they aren't, and most importantly, how they can deepen your walk with Jesus. Joining us as our spiritual director today and helping to fan away the fog surrounding indulgences is Father John Paul Erickson. Father Erickson is a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis and pastor of Transfiguration Catholic Church in Oakdale, Minnesota. Welcome back to the show, Father. Thanks for joining us. Patrick, always a pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity and looking forward to talking about a a greatly misunderstood by Catholics and non-Catholics alike topic. So thanks for the opportunity. So you're telling me I'm not I'm not alone in this, right? Oh no, brother. You are <laughs> you are part of the very large club. And a part of that of course comes from, you know, the history. Uh some of it I think um quite accurate people know about, some of it I think quite obscured. Uh but it's 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 a topic that I think many Catholics are nervous about talking about because it draws up all of the associations with with indeed the church's need for reform and some practices that were not explained particularly well and, and indeed abused, but practices which remain incredibly important for the church's life and and. Uh, for the Church's understanding of herself as a community. One of the points I'd like to hammer home this week is that the reality of indulgences is connected to the communal nature of our faith, that we are a Church that is bonded together through Jesus. We become members of a body. That body, of course, lasts uh, unto eternity, uh, and part of it is spent for many of us in purgatory. Uh, please God, for many of us, it will include time in heaven, uh, and certainly the time here on earth. We are we're a communal pre- people. We're, we're saved in a, as a people, and the reality of indulgences is connected to that. And I think a better understanding of the communal nature of grace and sin uh, provides some real insight into what this um, what this mystery involves. 
Wow, you are wetting our appetites already, Father. So let's throw it open to the listeners as well. If you have questions about indulgences, if you maybe you regularly you feel you understand them well and you regularly partake in all these activities that are meant to impart an indulgence, whether it part, be partial or plenary, and if it's if there's something that you have a question again about, give us a call on our toll free studio line eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. That line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. You can also send us an email at innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Well, Father, I'm guessing, because, I mean, this was actually my view for quite a while, is that uh, I thought the Church kind of got rid of indulgences after the Reformation. I thought it was was one of the things. But obviously they're still around today. I've grown to understand that and appreciate them to a degree, but I would love to grow with them more. So what are they? What are indulgences, and why should we be aware of them now? Yeah, no, thank you, Patrick. So as I said in the kind of the opening salvo there, uh, we have to, I think anytime we're going to talk about indulgences, we have to begin with the big picture, the big picture. And the big picture is this. When we are baptized, we are made part of a body. Uh, for far too many Catholics and just Christians in general, we think of our faith as primarily just me and Jesus. And I think, honestly, part of that has been kind of exacerbated a little bit in recent discussions about the importance of the personal relationship with Jesus, which of course is foundational. However, however, we see in Scripture itself, both in the Old and New Testament, that God saves people, as in as in a people. When you become a member of the chosen people, for example, in the Old Testament, or the New Testament, you become a member of the church. That's how God saves us. He calls us by name into a church, into a people. And so the Catholic Church is a community. And one of the spiritual realities of that of that tremendous, awesome thing uh, is that when we grow in the life of virtue and the life of faith, we benefit not only ourselves, but also other people in a mysterious, beautiful, powerful way. Uh, St. Paul speaks, of course, in his letters about we, we make up what is lacking in the body of Christ, an astounding statement. What could possibly lack? Well, part of what St. Paul is speaking about there is that your merits, your, your effort to be holy Patrick Connolly, uh, that benefits not only you, but everyone else in the, in the mystical body in an incredible, beautiful way. The inverse, however, is true. I think that's the right word. The reverse is true. And that is that when we sin, we also, of course, do damage to our relationship with God in a personal level. But it's also the case, brother, that when we sin, we also affect other people. And not only in the obvious ways of deteriorating trust, of of causing anxiety and fear in other people, of, of physically hurting them, but also on the spiritual level. That's also a great truth, that the, the weakness of the members of the body of Christ also affect other members. The reason why all that is important is because when, when we are forgiven of our sins through the sacrament of confession, clearly given to the Church the power to do that in the giving of the keys to Peter and in the giving of the, to the apostles of the power to forgive right there on Easter Sunday, quite explicitly, uh, when we are forgiven, the fact is, is that the damage we have done to the body of Christ still needs to be healed. We don't just need to be forgiven ourselves. We also need to to do reparation for the offenses committed, because uh, part of being forgiven and reconciliation is making things right. Now, again, the merits of Jesus completely sufficient for the forgiveness of sins and and for the healing of the wounds that we have inflicted. But it is also the case that we just see in the on the natural level of justice 
when we offend someone, when we, when we violate their rights, destroy their property, it's not enough just to say, I'm sorry. Part of the contrition of sin is you want to make things right. Uh, and the same principle applies in the spiritual realm. So when we, when we go to confession and we've done some, some awful thing that is forgiven, uh, we have to be prepared not only to receive God's mercy, but also to do our part. And that is cooperating with the, the necessity of, of trying to make things right. That is most oftentimes done in two particular ways, uh, through prayer through begging God for mercy and for his own healing to be sent upon the wounds that we have inflicted, that we have inflicted, and by acts of charity, by acts of charity for especially our suffering brothers and sisters. This, as I understand it, is kind of part of the, the history of the, uh, some of the controversy around indulgences at the time of Luther and, our, and, the, and, our, and the Protestant Reformation, is that it, it, it is the case in, in the scriptures itself, Jesus speaks about the fact that one of the ways to make reparation is, in fact, to give alms. It's right there. Jesus himself says it. Uh, and while those, those alms were being used, perhaps, by the church in misguided ways, you know, the, the, um, perhaps by particular churchmen, perhaps, it is, it is the case still, I'd say, that the principle is sound, that the giving of resources to the church to be used for the glorification of God as well as for the, the material needs of the poor, it's right there in the Bible. Jesus does, in fact, speak about these can, uh, these can, they can solve the wounds that we, have, that we have inflicted. Again, acknowledging that whenever money is involved, whenever it's involved, uh, great corruption can happen. A couple yeah. final points I just want to promise you. Uh, that is that the Church's understanding of indulgences, these actions of, of prayer or of mercy uh, that can help to heal the wounds that we've inflicted, the Church also believes that we can apply these same actions to the dead, to those who have passed on. And because when many people pass away, uh, they are not yet ready for the wedding feast. We heard about the wedding feast this past Sunday, a very challenging gospel. And Jesus says quite clearly, uh, you must be perfect as my Heavenly Father is perfect. A lot of people aren't perfect when they die. But God <laughs> gives a person right. that chance when they pass away to be purified of those, of those offenses, not only for themselves, but for the healing of the Church. The beautiful, wonderful thing is that we can, we can still pray for them. So we can, we can offer up our prayers and sacrifices for them and apply these particular prayers and acts of charity that the Church has, has given to us through the authority given to Peter to bind and to loose, we can apply them to our deceased brothers and sisters, and we can assist them in their own purification. In some sense, we can, through the merits of Jesus and the saints, we can pay the debt for them. Final point, I promise you. Uh, we are oftentimes asked, you know, as, as believers in God's mercy, what about Hitler? What about a Stalin? I know I'm going dark real quick here, but what about these folks that, that have done awful things? God's mercy is, is always available for those who ask it. But if someone were to pass away having done these terrible, horrible things, reparations still must be made. The incredible message of mercy for the Church in indulgences is that you, you, can, you can apply the sacrifices and the, the sufferings of the whole body of Christ to heal the wounds that other people have caused. Um, and so uh, it, it's a marvelous part of our faith, 
greatly misunderstood. And certainly, it is true whenever we're dealing with with finances and and you know giving of money to support the poor, the church is certainly finances. There's an opportunity for corruption, but the principle is sound and needs to be recovered. Hmm. Okay, very good. Well, lots of things that we're already learning about indulgences with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson from the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. Again, as you have questions about indulgences, give us a call at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Let's go to the phones now, Father. David has called in from Sacramento, California. Good morning, David. Thanks for calling in the inner life. Good morning. Thank you. So if I obtain a plenary indulgence and I offer it up for someone who's deceased, I'm assuming in purgatory, mm-hmm. do I only have to do that once? Because once they obtain that plenary indulgence, would they not have complete... Um, yeah, the remission of temporal punishment due to sin. We're using, yeah, those these technical terms that require further explanation. But David, it's a great question. And I think... You know, there was a change in the Church's um, descriptions of indulgences prior after the Council, and the Second Vatican Council attempted to, to, to get away from talk about days in purgatory or, or you know, there'd be particular actions or prayers or visit the churches which said, you know, 500 days, you know, uh, uh, indulgence. And there, there was a there was a mathematizing of God's mercy, and there, there was a there was a thingifying of the mercy of God that we that we definitely want to get away from. And the current church's explanation of indulgences has. I bring all that up because certainly we believe that a plenary indulgence completely removes the temporal punishment due to sin. Those, those are the wounds I spoke about uh, before uh, of our of our deceased brothers and sisters. But I also think too there's a great beauty in continuing to offer those up for people. You know, and we leave how God applies it to God. Um, part of part of the the message of indulgences is we we have to think of it as a participation in the in the mercy of the Father and mm-hmm. are willing to endure either sufferings or sacrifices or hardship or grow in intimacy with God through prayer. Uh, it, it's for it, it is also for our own edification and our own growth in in membership of the body. So I. Yes, we believe that a plenary indulgence, when truly received, which again depends upon complete, you know, um, the 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 lack of any of any connection to sin, which is a pretty you know kind of high standard. Even if all those even if all those kind of uh, marks were checked, I think it would still be a good practice to continue to offer up plenary indulgences, and there are many. There's many many available available graces. Uh, for loved ones who have passed away, even years after they have passed away. I know many people offer every year Holy Mass for the deceased one, every year offer Mass for a loved one. How God applies those graces is up to Him. So I would encourage the listener to continue to offer plenary indulgences for loved ones who have gone, uh, uh, gone on. So great question, David. Yeah, David, thank you. Thank you for the phone call and good question. I'm sure we'll continue to get deeper and deeper into this as we're speaking about indulgences today with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. Well, Father Erickson, you brought it up, so I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to throw it right back at you there about well the well, let's go first through the conditions that are necessary for a plenary indulgence to be granted. So, what are those conditions? Yes, thank you. So, there is a distinction the church is teaching, uh and I think this this is very much it's analogous to the Church's distinction between mortal and venial sin. It's analogous in okay. the sense of we recognize on the natural level that some offenses are greater than others, and that we can just see that 
without without the the necessity of divine revelation. Well, the church also believes that there are certain actions and attitudes and and works uh, that are that are particularly potent in the healing of the wounds that we have inflicted. So there's a distinction between a plenary and a partial indulgence. And a plenary means that all temporal punishment due to sin uh, is 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 remitted. That is, all the wounds that have been inflicted. Uh, have been remitted. By the way, the, the primary plenary indulgence is baptism. You know, when someone is baptized, uh, it's not only that they have new life in the Spirit, but we also believe that all of that temporal punishment due to sin has also been purified by that fundamental act. So we need to remember that too. Uh, and to acquire a plenary indulgence for ourselves or for a loved one who has died, a couple of things are necessary. For all indulgences, there always must be a spirit of contrition. A spirit of contrition, and this this because it is so connected to sin, it's connected to our our need for repentance. This is probably one of the reasons why Saint, why you know why the reformers were so concerned too that they saw individuals who were doing rotten, foul things simply assuming that by throwing a couple of coins in the box, God could be bought off. He can't yeah. be. God will not be fooled. There must be a spirit of contrition. So that's true for all indulgences. For a plenary indulgence, you also have to have, you can have no attachment to sin. Yeah. Now, that, that's, that's a, that is a, a qualification that is, as far as I'm aware, never fully solemnly defined. It certainly means we have to get rid of any occasions of sin. Say, for example, a, a clear and obvious example, someone struggles with impurity. You got to get rid of any, you know, any, any stuff in your house that could lead you down that road. Uh, let's say that you have some grudge that you're grappling with. You have to strive to reconcile with the one who you are at odds with. Um, beyond that, the church, I don't think it's in a lot of specifics, but it is, it needs to be remembered for a plenary indulgence. There has to be no attachment to sin. Doesn't mean there's not temptations, doesn't mean there's not struggles, but there can't be any attachment to it. And then we get down to uh, what's oftentimes, again, thought about those, those, those qualifications, those, those necessary steps. One is we have to make a sacramental confession. Uh, that confession can be made either the day of uh, the action to which a plenary indulgence is attached, or a few days before, or a few days after. That, that's allowed. However, um, there also must be sacramental communion. We have to receive Jesus. Remember, plenary indulgences and indulgences in general are connected to our membership in the body of Christ. What does communion do? It makes us, it puts us in communion not only with Jesus, uh, but also with the body of Christ. That's why it's so important that a communicant believe what the church believes and is practicing what the church teaches to practice. Um, uh, so that is a necessity as well, reception of Holy Communion. And then finally, we pray for our Holy Father and for his intentions. Because we see uh, indulgences as, as a direct consequence of the power of the keys given to the Petrine office, it is important as a member of the as a living member of the body of Christ, that we pray for the head of that body, who himself has been given uh, the divine commission to, I hate to use the expression manage, uh, but can, but, but facilitates the kind of spiritual blood transfusion that is an indulgence. What I mean by that is when we have let blood from the church by our, by our lacerating the church with our wounds, it is the Holy Father in his office 
that allows us to take the blood from another member of the body of Christ, the saints, the sacrifices of the martyrs, known and unknown, and apply them to the wounds that we have done. And we manifest that reality through our prayer for the Holy Father. So those are the conditions over and above the particular act uh, that the Church has given to us for a plenary indulgence. Well, I am already learning tons, and I hope you are too. The, the, as, if you have continued questions about this, I know I have more, and I will be grateful for the opportunity to ask some of our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. But join the conversation. Ask your questions. Now is the time to do it. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Lots more to talk about when it comes to indulgences, which we'll do right after this short break. Stay with us. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. I'm going back this summer to Ohio out all my friends I've always known Welcome back to The Inner Life, and a special welcome, as that music reminds me, to WNKN 105.9 FM, a new station for Relevant Radio here in the Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio area. Thank you, and welcome to the Relevant Radio family. All sorts of great resources you can find, not just here on on air, but you can also check out RelevantRadio.com, the Relevant Radio app, so many things to help you along in your relationship with the Lord. One of those things is Eucharistic Encounters, where Father Rocky is sharing a video uh, each week with us to help us focus in on the Eucharist in the in this during this Eucharistic revival and in the run up to the Eucharistic Congress next year. Tune in this week as Father shares the story of a friend of his who, after adopting, struggled to find peace in his home. Find out just what he did to bring unity and peace into his family with this week's video at relevantradio.com/encounter. It's a way to deepen your love for Christ in the Eucharist. Again, relevantradio.com/encounter. We're talking with our spiritual director today, Father John Paul Erickson from the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis about indulgences. And if you have questions, as I, I do anyway, uh, then give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149 or innerlife at relevantradio.com. Let's take another phone call, Father. Marlene is calling in from Las Vegas, Nevada. Good morning, Marlene. Thanks for calling the Inner Life. Thank you. I have a question. Um our divine, uh, we do Zoom um, on, in the Divine Mercy and the Rosary oh, yes. on Zoom every afternoon. Yes, yes. And the, the lady that re- leads it says that we receive a plenary indulgence. So I yeah. asked the pastor, and he said, well, you have to go to confession, too. Yeah, no, Marlene, great question, and I think it's a beautiful practice, first of all. I'm so glad you brought this up, because one of the good news about about plenary indulgences, you, you mentioned praying the rosary. Uh, I think a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, are very familiar, of course, uh, hopefully, with the, with the indulgence available on Divine Mercy Sunday when we come together and honor the image. But indeed, there are four particular prayers that uh, that we that each faithful can receive once a day every single day of the year and they're very easy one is adoration of blessed sacrament for at least 30 minutes one is the way of the cross one is the rosary 
that you that you are saying. And one is the devout listening or reading of sacred scripture for at least a half hour. Those are things that every single day, every single day, a Christian can receive a plenary indulgence. Now, having said that, to get a plenary indulgence, you do need to go to confession, but the Church also indicates, um, and I admit it, you know, um, this can seem a little bit arbitrary, but the Church allows for one confession to cover multiple days. So I would say, let's, I would think it would be perfectly in keeping with the spirit of the law if we were to receive, if we were to go to confession, let's say, once every two weeks. And then that confession, I think, I think within the spirit of the law, would would apply to those plenary indulgences each day. However, final point, I promise you, Marlene, and that is that remember to receive the indulgence. Not only do you have to go to confession, but you also need to make a sacramental communion. And there, there is a one-to-one ratio to receive that indulgence. You also need to make a sacramental communion on the day of the act itself and pray for the Holy Father whenever that is possible. When it's physically impossible, that's something different. Um, so that's a long-winded answer, Marlene, but uh, both, both people are right. Both, both the devout leader of the rosary is right that a plenary indulgence is available, and your pastor is right. There also needs to be confession involved because of the indulgence's connection to the forgiveness of sins. Thanks, Marlene. Excellent question. And Father, just leads me to ask you, so what are some of the other activities or actions that we can partake in that would uh, that are indulgence, that would uh, impart, uh, with all the other conditions yeah, met, impart absolutely. indulgences? Yeah. And again, I, I just want to reiterate, I, I think that it is a beautiful, wonderful thing that faith, the faithful have been inspired to such devotion to the divine mercy. I think that is wonderful, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful that people, you know, uh, um, are so are much more aware nowadays of the apostolic pardon given by priests at, yep. at, at, when a loved one is preparing to die, and these are both instances of plenary indulgences. But I think the shame is is that there are so many more available. Again, I just want to repeat the ones I just said. One is adoration of the Blessed Sacrament for at least a half hour. One is the way of the cross. One is the rosary. One is reading the Bible for a half hour or listening to it. Uh, you know, all these things can indeed are, are avenues for plenary indulgences. I want to talk about four, uh, the Church calls them the four grants, G-R-A-N-T-S. Uh, they're found right in the very beginning of a very important book I want to make sure that I mention sometime this hour, in which it describes the different indulgenced acts. And one of them is a partial indulgence. Get a load of this, brother. Get a load of this. Okay. All a right. Partial I'm ready. indulgence is granted to the Christian faithful who, while carrying out their duties and enduring the hardships of life, raise their minds in humble trust to God and make at least mentally some pious invocation. That's pretty easy. Wow. Yeah. Just call it calling to mind, you know, God's presence. Second of these four grants. Second, partial indulgence is granted to the faithful who, led by the spirit of faith, give compassionately of themselves or of their goods to serve their brothers in need. Right there, Hmm. number two. Number three, a partial indulgence is granted to the Christian faithful who, in a spirit of penance, voluntarily abstain from something that is licit for and pleasing to them. You know, you give up meat on on Friday or another day of the week, Mm -hmm. that can bring a partial indulgence. And then finally, a partial indulgence is granted to the faithful who, in the particular circumstances of daily life, voluntarily give explicit witness to their faith before others. Those are four partial indulgences right there, and they're meant to inspire the faithful to live their faith well and to and to be holy. It's not just about getting out of jail free. This is about moving someone to be more in conformity with Jesus, who is in total union with the Father and in total love of his neighbor, and his life is one of service. 
To do that, we have to be stretched, and indulgences help to stretch us. Okay, very good. Well, let's go back to the phones. Thank you, Marlene, for the call. Let's go now to Kathleen calling in from South Jersey. Kathleen, welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Father, for this topic. Thanks, Kathleen. I would like to know, first of all, do I need to know, do I specifically have to request an indulgence if I'm doing one of these activities in order to get it? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think it would be necessary, and, and admittedly, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm giving you my opinion on the, on the theory of the law here. Uh, for a, for a plenary indulgence, I certainly believe so. That because it is, because the, the power that grace is so complete, and indeed, you know, when you are going to confession or, or to Holy Communion and praying for the Holy Father, all these things oftentimes would be explicitly connected to the particular plenary indulgence. What I would say is with the partial indulgence, I'm not so sure that you would have to explicitly desire that. I think it's a good thing if we do. I think it can be an inspiration to greater, to greater conformity to Jesus, but I'm not convinced that it would be absolutely necessary. And so it's entirely possible, uh, Kathleen, that throughout our life in doing these particular exercises, even unaware of the Church's teaching on them, that we have in fact brought about merit to to our to our deceased loved ones or to ourselves, there's probably where more of the point of 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 the explicit intention, you know, acknowledging that we can receive these things without even knowing them. I think that is that's think about. I think that is true. Uh, the, the grace is flowing even when we're not explicitly aware. If we're going to apply those graces to to loved ones who have died, that's probably where where the act of reason is necessary in the sense of. I would like to I would like to apply these graces heavenly father to my to my deceased mother you know and whatever whatever merit would come to me by means of your cross by means of your cross I want to apply that to someone else so um that would be my that would be my take on that on that very intriguing question uh which I haven't fully thought through but but I think the principles given are pretty good mm-hmm. Hope that helps, Kathleen. That's a great question that you have and uh, the intentionality behind indulgences and uh, just thinking that through and proclaiming, yes, I'm, I would like to apply this indulgence to, yeah, to, as you said, Father, my deceased mother, or if it's somebody else, a, a loved one that has passed away already. We're talking about indulgences today here on The Inner Life. Continue to call in with your questions at 888-914-9149. Let's go south along the eastern seaboard from Jersey to Washington, D.C., where Regina is calling in. Regina, thank you for calling in The Inner Life. Thank you. I was wondering how you how do you know if you're sufficiently detached? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Regina. The magic question. Excellent question. And you know, I think we're confronted here with uh, part of an incredibly important principle whenever we're talking about these sorts of things, and that is the mystery of God's grace. And we can't, you know, there's no mathematical formula. As I said before, the Church has deliberately, and I think quite rightly, got away from, you know, from mathematicalizing uh, God's grace. And so, I, you know, we, we, at the risk of sounding sort of, sort of wishy-washy, or we do the best that we can, I still think, I still think that a critical part of, of no attachment to sin is we have to willingly get rid of any occasions of sin in our life. We have to, if, if we've acquired goods illicitly, we have to give them back or make, you know, monetary restitution for them if we can. Uh, if there's relationships in our life that we know are on the rocks because of something that we have done, that we have done, we have to make efforts to make that better. As I say, I don't believe 
the temptation or particular struggles interiorly are, are necessarily attachment to sin. I don't believe that. Uh, I don't think we're, we're, we're not going to have that until the day that we see our maker, you know, mm-hmm. please God by his mercy. Uh, but there has to be an effort, a goodwill effort to do what we can to eliminate from our lives those things that are holding on to us, that we're attached to. Uh, that keep drawing us back into sin of whatever kind. So it's a good question, Regina. I, I wish I had a, had a greater answer for you, but there's no, you know, we do the best we can and we leave the rest to the Almighty. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate the question, Regina, and I'm sure that was going through many people's minds. As I mean, I've asked that question. You know, how do I know that I'm sufficiently detached from sin in order to receive the graces of a plenary indulgence? And that's a, that's a tough thing. Talking about indulgences a day, and uh, we are our spiritual director is Father John Paul Erickson. He's given us some great stuff to chew on already about indulgences. Now, I guess one of the questions that I've had, Father, is that... Um, Indulgences still seem to me, and maybe maybe this is just a place I need to continue to grow in my Catholic faith. There's many of those places, I assure you. Um, but, me too, uh, man. Me too. <laughs> but but uh, I, sometimes I, I just think that indulgences might be a place where they can be kind of misused. They become kind of a superstition rather than yeah. um, a proper focus. Um, and uh, so I, I guess I do have a little bit of that within me that— um, there's a, always a little bit of if somebody is you know fervently approaching a particular spiritual practice just so that they can receive this indulgence, it seems almost too transactional, going all the way back to the 16th century. Yeah, I, I, frankly, I couldn't agree with you more, and I, I think okay. that's, that's, a, that's a real danger, and I think that there's where we have to remember one of the, one of the key ingredients of, a, of an indulgence always is contrition of heart, mm. a, true, a true repentance. Again, God cannot be bought. God cannot be fooled. He knows your heart. And there are many practices uh, embraced without authentic love of God and neighbor that are purely selfish, even if they've they're, they're got all the trappings of, of holy things. Right. Where we are more like the, the Pharisees in the whitewashed tombs than we are, you know, the, the, the prodigal woman who washes the feet of the Lord with her tears, who has forgiven much because she has loved much. We, th- that, in some, in some sense, th- this... This gets back to the heart of the believer, where, where their heart is. And um, if we are approaching these practices primarily, again, from, as you say, Patrick, a transactional point of view, uh, then we're on the wrong track. It's a temptation for us all because we're fallen and because our intellects are darkened. So we go to, we go to, those, to those images and analogies that make the most sense to us. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we're dealing with the healing of a relationship. And God looks right to the heart. So if an indulgence act is done without the spirit of contrition, without the desire to be better, uh, it seems to me it is laughable to think that it would be effective. Laughable. Just like, okay. just like if we go to Divine Mercy Sunday, you know, and, yep. and, and our, our, our moral life is in shambles. And we, we feel as though we, we fulfill all those obligations, but we're making no effort to be a better brother. We're making no effort to forgive those who have offended us. We're making no effort to remove from our life those occasions that lead us astray. That, that, that could even be, a, I would dare I say it, offensive to God because he knows the heart. And we have to get that right for all of these other things to fall into place. It all comes from my desire to be in conformity with Jesus. And that must be the starting point of the reception of graces that is the indulgence. 
Yeah. Wow. Okay. Very good. Well, thanks for thanks for that, Father. I feel I feel better now that I'm in your company with <laughs> with some of those suspicions that I've had toward indulgences, and and it's well explained too. That it makes sense that yes, the focus is not transactional; it's relational, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's relational w- with our heavenly Father, but it's also relational, as you've already pointed out, with my brothers and sisters in the church, um, church penitent, the church militant, and the church triumphant. So Amen. grateful for all Amen. those things. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones now. Ted calling in from Chicago, Illinois. Ted, welcome to the inner life. Thanks for calling. All righty. Uh, one and maybe even two quick questions, guys, uh, real quick. Uh, number one, how can you get a partial indulgence for abstaining from meat on Friday? Don't we, don't we have to do that anyway? And number two, you're not supposed to have any attachment to sin. How can you not have an attachment if you still have temptations come back from your past sins? There's at least some kind of attachment if you have a temptation that keeps coming back. You may defeat the temptation, but that you still have an attachment. It, it would seem almost impossible because, you know, temptations always come back. So that, that and, and again, how can it be a, 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 an indulgence when, you know, you, you got to give up meat anyway? Yeah, great questions both, Ted. And admittedly, uh, when I when I even said about giving meat up on Friday, you're right. Uh, as I understand it, you know, if if they are actions that that should be done anyways, they would not be there would not be an indulgence attached to them. Having said that, I think giving up meat on on Thursday or giving meat up on Wednesday or any other day of the week, and just getting back to the the meatless Fridays, uh, I think the listeners. Uh, probably should be should be reminded that Holy Mother Church still has Friday as a day of, of abstinence. You can you can uh, replace that with an act of charity or particular prayers, but indeed Holy Mother Church still does ask her faithful as a way of remembering Jesus and growing in love for him uh, to to make Friday a day of sacrifice and meatless Fridays is one particular way to do that. You know, in terms of the attachment and and temptations that come from previous falls I think it's a it's a worthwhile point, Ted. Absolutely, as I mentioned, my own my own awareness of what that phrase means, no attachment to sin, is is I'm still working that out. Um, it does seem to me to be that uh, that even the saints themselves, you know, who were acknowledged of having heroic holiness, they struggled, I think, with with temptation as well. We hear about, of course, the great desert fathers. We hear about. Um, you know, uh, was it Thomas Moore as he's preparing for death, struggling with with questions of Am I doing the right thing? Uh, and um, and so I I and even yeah and so I I I'm not sure. I, I think there's 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 room here for different interpretations. I think your point's well made. Um, when we willingly give ourselves over to the devil. Uh, and even when I repent of that, those scars and those wounds and those chains, in some sense, too, remain. Uh, and But whether or not that, that would be enough to mitigate a full plenary indulgence, I leave that to the mercy of God. But I think the, the point is, is, a, is a very good one that needs to be considered. Yeah, very good. Ted, thanks for the call. Appreciate that. Again, we're talking about indulgences today here on The Inner Life. Great questions so far. If you have a question you'd like to ask, we'd love to get you on the air. 888-914-9149 is our phone number, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to jump into our next short break, but we'll be back with more conversation with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson, on indulgences coming up right after this. Stick around. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, 
a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Thomas Engeser taking your phone calls today. And uh, right on topic as we're talking about indulgences today is just a quick reminder about our Holy Souls Novena that's going on November 2nd through the 10th. You can jump over to relevantradio.com slash souls and you can enter the names of up to, up to 20 of your departed loved ones. And uh, we will pray for them. Um, and you can join in in praying for the, with the whole Relevant Radio community. You'll receive some reflections from Father Rocky each day of the Novena to help you enter more deeply into prayer. And the loved ones, your loved ones will be prayed for uh, during the Daily Mass at noon central, the live stream Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3 central with Drew and the Family Rosary Across America at 7 central with Father Rocky himself. So um, that's uh, that's what we invite you to do, and especially if you're a brand new listener to Relevant Radio, as you may be if you live in the Cincinnati and Dayton areas of Ohio, uh, as we just picked up 105.9 FM there, and uh, we are welcoming all all new listeners there as well. Oh boy, Father, we have got phone calls coming in, all kinds of. I knew we would. I mean, there's so many great questions to ask about indulgences. Let's go now to James calling in from San Francisco, James. Thanks for calling the inner life. Good morning. Yeah. Hello, uh, Patrick, Father Erickson. You know, this subject has so, always somewhat baffled me, and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but I'm kind of referred to the indulgences as somewhat like a prisoner getting released on good behavior, if I'm looking at it wrong. And <laughs> the, difference between, the difference between partial and full, you know, when I offend somebody or somebody or vice versa, I forgive them in full, not partial. And is there any reading material on this subject? Thank you very much. Yeah, great questions both, James. A couple of things. You know, I even myself, when I, when I attempt to describe indulgences, I can fall back on, on images that are, that are more, more sort of um, naturally knowable. So, for example, you know, the, the, the image that I've, that I've oftentimes used, and I think sometimes it's compelling, sometimes it can be misleading, is, you know, if, if, the, if you break your neighbor's window and the, the, you, you go over to the neighbor's house and you say, I'm terribly sorry, and your neighbor says, I certainly forgive you, but I still got a busted window. You know, part of, part of the, the forgiveness piece and of making things right is the willingness to pay for the window. And uh, one might think of the temporal punishment due to sin as the kind of the, the shattering of the glass, and you have to make that right. Now, the weakness of this image is it is thingifying grace. It is, it's making God's mercy quantifiable, and it's not. Um, but I, I also think it's the case in, in, in your mention, James, about forgiveness. Um, yes, certainly, we are called as Christians to forgive people from our heart and do that fully. It is also the case that it is, it, it's, it's an important part of it's an important part of asking for forgiveness and of, of requesting the mercy of the other that you show that you are contrite. So, for example, um, you know, someone who does something really, really awful uh, to you or to your family, and they come in tears and they say, I'm so sorry, 
And but in addition to saying that they are so sorry, they also have sh- they, they show in ways in changes in their own life in their desire to to you know to to go over and above the request for forgiveness. That that is that's an important piece, and it adds to the. It adds to the healing that can happen, you know, when we truly know the other person is sorry, uh, that certainly you forgiving the person is good, but remember forgiveness is for both parties. It's not just for the one who forgives, it's for the one who is forgiven. And they also, it seems to me, need healing. And part of that is for them to be given the chance to show in some sense that desire to be forgiven. So indulgences, I think, uh, find, find a great, a great, uh, um, uh, and they find a great support in just our natural understanding of, of what, what it means to reconcile and, and to be forgiven. Um, so that's part of it. You know, the, the, the releasing for good behavior, again, God's mercy is never, it's never, it's never earned. It's always a grace. It's always a grace. But, but to show that gratitude for that grace, uh, we have to respond. And, and part of indulgences must be done not only with contrition for sin, but also in great gratitude for the mercy of the Father, who alone, who alone has the power to forgive sins. Mm, very good. Thank you, James, for the question. Let me let me uh, slide a quick email question in here too before we get back to the phones, Father. Uh, Kathy emailed in and asked if she's unable to receive Holy Communion uh, during on the particular day of the Indulgence Act. Does yep. the Indulgence Spiritual Communion prayer suffice for Holy Communion? Yes, absolutely. And, and again, God will not be mocked. You know, it has to truly be an inability to, to receive communion. And there can be a number of reasons why that is the case. I think for many of us, not saying necessarily Kathy here, uh, but, you know, sometimes we can sort of give ourselves excuses about being able to get to Mass or not. But in those cases where it truly is impossible due to physical infirmity, due to distance to church, uh, yes, the church absolutely allows for spiritual communion to fulfill that obligation. Okay, very good. Let's see if we can get a couple more phone calls in. We've got Christine calling in from Florida. Good morning or good afternoon to you, Christine. Welcome to the Inner Life. Thank you, Father. I appreciate it. Um, I my question is uh, that I have for many years been a daily communicant. Um, go to confession once a month. Uh, pray for people sincerely, mm-hmm. and uh, but I didn't really know about uh, the indulgences. I remember hearing about them from my childhood, but I never incorporated them. And then a friend pointed out to me that I wasn't getting the full benefit of the prayer that I was giving because I didn't ask for the indulgences. And yeah. so my I'm question sorry, is, you're prayer ineffective if you don't? Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Christine. I, I certainly don't think it's ineffective. Absolutely not. And gets back to a previous question about, you know, do you need to explicitly say I'm using this for an indulgence, which again, the very language itself betrays a, a, a tr- transactional understanding uh, of God's mercy and grace. God, you know, God knows our hearts and and I don't believe at all that grace is, is never available to those who, who did not know, who, who didn't have didn't have the capacity to to utilize these great tools of the church. But I would also say too that now that we do, you know, we begin again and we can we can apply these graces, especially to loved ones who have passed on. So Christine, I would just encourage you to, to entrust those previous prayers to God's mercy. He he used them and will use them in ways that are known only to him, in ways that are good and true. You're not going to be penalized for for not doing what you didn't know about. So leave that to God's grace 
and strive to, to use these, these tools going forward. Mm, very good. Appreciate the call, Christine. Thank you. Uh, Senia is calling in, also from Florida, from Fort Myers. Welcome, Senia, to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Thank you so much for taking my call. My question is very brief. Um, I was wondering, where did the whole concept of indulgences, or how did it come about? Is that is it biblical? How, how did that all come about? Yeah, absolutely, Senior. Great question. Again, a couple of points I would say. One is, when Jesus Christ himself gave to St. Peter and to the apostles the power to forgive sins, we find the, the inspiration for and the principles of indulgences right there, uh, because we recognize on the purely natural level, too, that forgiveness and reconciliation involves not only asking for forgiveness and receiving that forgiveness from another, but striving to make things right, which is all tied up in this reality of an indulgence. When we cannot make things right ourselves because of our own insufficiency, because of our own weakness, whatever, the Church in our understanding of the communal nature of of the Church, understands that the merits won by Jesus and the saints and the Blessed Mother, our saintly grandmother and grandfather, all those prayers and sacrifices, the treasury of God's grace, can be applied uh, to make up for the wounds that we have inflicted. And then again, I would say the the passages in the Gospel where, where Jesus speaks about, and the Old Testament too, but more pertinent for us is Jesus, where he speaks about particular acts, especially service of the poor, service of the poor, giving alms, covers a multitude of sins. Uh, and so a lot of our understanding of how particular actions can can bring about a flood of God's grace is connected to some of these scriptural uh, scriptural passages too. Senia, thank you for that phone call. And one quick clarification on an email that came in from Audrey, uh, Father, just said, you, I believe you said this before, but the act of going to confession does not need to be one per indulgence act, right? It, it That's exactly covers. right, Patrick, yeah. exactly. The, the, in the, in the, the Church's understanding of it is that, was that confession can cover a multitude of plenary indulgences, both before and after the confession. But I do want to clarify, and again, at the risk of, 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 of mudding the waters and talking about transactional mercy, right. uh, the Church also indicates that we can we receive one plenary indulgence a day, one plenary indulgence okay. a day. We can receive multiple partial indulgences, but one plenary indulgence um, and I think the reason for this, Patrick, is, is, is the Church is trying to prevent trying to prevent the very thing that you mentioned, thinking of indulgences as, as superstition, sure. that if we just do this thing, you know, we're sort of accumulating a, a stockpile of, of <coughs> get-out-of-jail-free cards. That's yeah. not how it works. Okay, very good. And then just in the last few seconds before we ask for your blessing, did you want to mention the Manual of Indulgences too, Father? Yes, thank you, Patrick. So there's a wonderful book which describes all of this, gives all the different prayers, all the different actions to which there's indulgences. It's called the Manual of Indulgences. Encourage every believer to have one. It's published by the USCCB, uh, and I think that people should get to know it real well. Wow. Well, that was <laughs> nice and succinct, Father. I really appreciate that. I have, glean- I have gleaned so much from today's, Father, today's conversation, Father, and I'm sure our listeners have too. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to our listeners too for joining us, especially our new listeners in Cincinnati and Dayton. Welcome to them. Father, as you know, we like to sh- close every show with a blessing. So if you would, please. Absolutely. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth earth. through the intercession and sacrifices of all the believers, both here on earth as well as those who have gone before us. May Almighty God bless all listeners. God who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father John Paul Erickson has been our spiritual director for today. I'm sure that you want to go back and listen to parts of the show and share it with others. So hop on over to relevantradio.com slash innerlife. 
Coming up next, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with our celebrant Father Matt Seminar. And tomorrow on the program, Obedience in Times of Difficulty with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. Sure hope you can join us for that. Thanks for joining us this time. Until then, grace and peace.